I'm on. Am I on? Hey. <laughs> it's good to be here. Exodus is where we'll be looking today, chapter 2, but we're going to read first from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, excuse me, <clears throat> chapter 11, verses 24 to verse 27. And you'll understand when we see that why we're uh, going to read that text this morning. I heard about a high school boy. They wanted to smuggle the goat, the mascot, into the dormitory rooms. They, uh, it was a, one of these schools where they have the dorms, a prep school, and they were talking about getting the goat in, and one of the boys said, what are we going to do about the smell? And the other one said, the goat will get used to it. It's about like a high school locker room. Oh, my word, I remember those. I hated to take a shower in our high school locker room. Ugh. And, uh, but I'm funny on that anyway. But God is good, and, and we're here this morning, and I want to get my paper straightened out. Stand with me, and let's read here from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. I was thinking about both... Uh, Choir songs were about burdens and going through difficulty. And then Joe's song was kind of right on target for a lot of people. I didn't name half the people here that are struggling in some way or another. And, but God's always there. And sometimes we don't see him, but he's there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But, but I love, I love uh, the awareness of God, the brilliance of God to know everything in our life and know what's best for us. I think I know what's best for myself, but God always knows much more because he's a great God. Chapter 11, verse 24, says here, and by, excuse me, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, he's 40 now, last week we looked at him when he was a baby, has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Just think as a Pharaoh, he could have, a Pharaoh's child, you know, he could have had anything because the Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out of the river and reared him. Then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches in Egypt. I, that's amazing, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He really believed he'd be rewarded someday. Do you believe that? I hope that's why you're here today. I hope you're here to worship him because you know one day he's going to reward us and bless us. God bless us. We need you this day as we need you every hour. And I don't know the hearts here, but all of us have problems. Some problems are different than others. Some are greater than others, but we all struggle. And I know in my life I'm broken today. Uh, for some situations I'm aware of. And, and folks here are broken. And maybe some are having a great weekend, but help them to realize that those trials will come. Difficulty will come. As long as we're in this, on this evil planet, in this evil world, we will struggle because we carry a cross to represent you. And God, help us to choose this morning to represent you. And Lord, carry affliction. Rather than accept the worldliness, the things of the world, the riches of the world, and live for the world, we choose to live for you because it will be worth it all, God. You've promised us that. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And as I said, we're in Acts chapter 2, 
verse 11 and following. Now, of course, we know Moses wrote the Pentateuch. The New Testament tells us that. Jesus is quoted by Mark as saying that. Here we find a difficult time uh, in, in, the, in the lives of Israel, the children of Israel, because they've been slaves. Uh, they came uh, under Joseph, I mean, yeah, under Joseph's leadership and stayed 430 years. Last week, we looked at Moses as a baby. King Tut was the uh, pharaoh at the time. And this week, we look at a new uh, pharaoh, and I'll say his name, but don't ask me to repeat it without looking at my notes. It's Hap Shep Sut. That's the pharaoh, and I have to pronounce it in, in, in syllables phonetically because I can't say it. But uh, he was the pharaoh here, and the people of Israel were being treated worse than ever. And of course, Moses is observing all this. He's raised in the Pharaoh's kingdom with all the pleasures and riches. He could have had anything he wanted. But he chooses now to separate from Egypt and go with God's people. And I love that. Um, and we will look at in a few moments um, a flight from Egypt and then a family in Midian and then a father in heaven. We've all heard of Benedict Arnold. I know that if you've studied history, you've heard that name. If you've forgotten, he was the great traitor that we refer to when people go AWOL or turn their back on the military or sell secrets to the, to the Russians. We refer to them as Benedict Arnold. And uh, I was listening to a radio station I recommend, recommended to you about a month ago, 105.1, great radio station. Christian 24-7, but they deal with every issue you can imagine, including how to invest your money. And there was a black guy on there, a colonel, really respected him, and he was just sharing scripture. And he was talking about the Jews. And of course, you know, I'm passionate about Israel. I, I love Israel as a nation. And, and the Bible says, I'll bless them that bless thee. And so we have to just, uh, you know, be good to the children of Israel, the nation, and uh, just bless them. George Soros was a Hungarian Jew. And... Uh, he was adopted as a little guy, and they changed his name and his papers because Israel was, I mean, Germany was starting to say some things that scared him. And at 10 years old in his life, at 10, Hitler began to exterminate Hungarian Jews. And Soros, rather than, uh, and you can get YouTubes on this, rather than loving his people and making the choice that Moses made, he made the other choice. And he collaborated for years with the Nazis, uh, stabbing his own people in the back. And of course, he comes to mind when we think about Benedict Arnold. He's probably one of Israel's worst. Uh, and uh, several countries have said publicly that he's an evil man. He's broke uh, several countries' banking system by pulling all his money out at once, and then the banks don't have the money to give him, and they have to close, and you know, that kind of stuff. In fact, Europe labels him the bank crasher of Europe or something like that. Uh, and there's so much out there on him. But he was interviewed, and this interview's out there. You can find it. And he was asked about, about you, know, uh, you know, collaborating with the Nazis against the Jewish people. And he said this when asked. <clears throat> he said in an interview um, that it was the best, that was one of the best times in his life. They said, do you regret it? No, I don't regret it. And he, he goes on to talk about believing in anarchy. And of course, we know, you know, we have all the anarchy in America going on with protests and smashing windows and, and people who say they want democracy really want majority to rule and they get that, that power by anarchy. And of course, 
we, we see, you know, Moses making a choice to stand with the children of Israel in their poverty as slaves. He chose to become one of them. And in that way, he's a type of Christ, didn't he? Christ chose to go to the cross and suffer. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have had anything he wanted to have, but instead he cared about us. And so we look at verse 11, and it reiterates some of that in verse 11. Uh, Moses was fully grown, and of course we heard uh, him talk about, in Hebrews, his Bible talk about him choosing to suffer. Well, he's, he's now uh, about 40 years old. He's not a baby here. And um, he, of course, refused to be called a, an Egyptian. And he sees a Hebrew, um, he spies a Hebrew being killed and uh, smitten. And the Bible said uh, he intervenes. It says in verse 12, he looked this way and that way, but he didn't look up. He looked this way and that way. And when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Of course, you can't hide your sin. You need to confess your sin. Now, I understand his feelings, and I may have done the same thing. I may have wanted to do the same thing. If I see someone being treated as a slave, and I'm, a, uh, you know, I'm one of his, his kind, I, I would want to maybe get in there and do that too. But, and he did choose, this caused him to choose to decide with Israel and eventually leave. So he sees this person uh, being treated badly, and he kills the Egyptian. And the Bible says, in the, and when he went out the second day, it's the next day, behold, two Hebrews are fighting. And he says to them, what are you doing? You know, you're fighting and uh, you're not getting along. And he begins to rebuke them in verse 13 for assaulting each other. Why are you doing this? And let's read verse 13. And it says, two men, middle of the verse, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did wrong, wherefore thou smitest thy fellow. And the word fellow is a Hebrew word that is translated in Leviticus, neighbor. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. So he's confronting him and saying, you shouldn't do that. Now here he's killed someone. And now he's confronting someone or rebuking them. And of course, in verse 14, the man responds and he says things to him. He says, who, you, who made you a prince and judge over us? Today we say, who died and left you in charge? You know, and uh, of course, judges were important in that day and they made decisions. We know Israel was ruled by judges a few years later during the time of the judges and, and they arbitrated disputes and so forth. And he said uh, to him, uh, do you intend to kill us like you did that Egyptian? Well, of course, it's a rhetorical question. He's being sarcastic. And of course, we know that now he had seen Moses kill this man and Moses didn't know anybody had seen him. You intend to kill him, that word kill, of course, is used first in Genesis 4, 8. You know what that, that's about. Cain killed Abel. He murdered an Egyptian. And so he says, do you intend to treat us the same way? And that's the first use of the word by, their, by the way in, the, in regards to uh, Cain and Abel. And it says here, Moses feared. And uh, when he heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. Now when Pharaoh heard, verse back up, Moses feared, verse 14, that the thing is known. And now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. 
And that word feared is an extremely uh, powerful word. He was shaking in his boots. The Pharaoh decided, I need to kill him. So the Pharaoh is going to turn against his own daughter who, who had raised, reared Moses. And he's, I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. He was mad. And of course, I think of God's guidance in our life. Here Moses is fear, fearful. He, he knows he's been exposed. He killed someone. He didn't get by with it. Uh, people had seen it. Of course, God had seen it. But now notice that God is still sovereign. Do you know when you make mistakes, he's well aware of it. Even in our stupidity, he can use our stupidity to manipulate us and guide us. That's God. I mean, he's so sovereign. You say, preacher, you talk about reoccurring themes all the time. As long as I'm pastor, I'll talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. You're going to hear it every Sunday. And as long as I'm trying to teach you and pastor you, I'm going to talk about the sovereignty of God. Because every time we're discouraged, we need to start to think eternally. I said to one of our men this morning, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Right now, it's tough. But remember, now Moses is fearful and he's going to flee Egypt. And he's not going to understand and he's going to think, man, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. But guess who does? God. He knows the next step. And he, I saw on our little rock out there by the street, God has this or God got this. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. You say, but preacher, you don't know how long this has gone. He's got it. Preacher, you don't know how this has torn me up. He's got it. You see, this little span of life, 80 years, the psalmist said, seems like a long time. No, it's just a tiny little speck in eternity. Just a speck. So while you're discouraged and despondent and you don't understand and you're frustrated, you're tired of this, why am I going through this? He's got it. Yeah. Just look up and find a way. Find a way to say, thanks, Lord. I don't like this. I don't like him or her. I don't like the world. Sometimes I get discouraged. I don't get depressed, but I get discouraged. And I just, Lord, why don't you just rapture the church? Why don't you just take me home? And he's just sort of looking at me and shaking his head and rolling his eyes, I guess, and saying, oh, brother, listen to poor old little you. I'm not really that little. I'm not really that poor. I guess I'm sort of old. But God just, you know, certainly doesn't like our attitude like that. He wants us to say, everything works out for good to them that love God. It doesn't say everything is good. Somehow it's going to work out for good. And you don't understand that right now because you're in the middle of it. How long am I going to suffer physically? How long is my wife going to suffer? Am I going to have to keep helping? Always think about Joni Erickson Tata, you know. How does she take a bath? All she's got is from the neck up. How do you think it's, what do you think it's like to be that way for a full life? My friend George, it was for two years laying in a bed. All he could do is blink his eyes. Couldn't move a finger. Had two strokes, one on each side of his brain. His sweet wife, Marie, I went up to see him before he passed, and I did the funeral. But before, when I went up to see him, she said, well, pastor, she said, sometimes I think I should have let him go rather than 
put them on machines. And I didn't say a word. I wasn't there. Can't judge that. But I went, looked over at George, and I said, uh, George, I love you. And he began to cry. He knew who I was. He knew my voice. You see, he had the mental part of his brain all intact. She said, Pastor, all he can do is answer yes, one blank, no is two blanks. And so I said, do you know who I am? Yeah, he knew who I was. And his eyes kind of smiled at me, you know. And I couldn't hardly hold it back. You know, I thought, I can't sob because Maurice here, George is one of my best friends in the church. And I thought, how miserable it must be to lay there and never get to get up. Never to say, I'd like, I'd like to go and, you know, clean the yard up or give Marie a hug or I'd like to say something. That's got to be miserable. And I, I made it clear to my kids, if I have a stroke and I'm, I'm like that, please don't put me on machines. I'm ready to go now and I'm fairly healthy other than the arthritis in my neck and my sore hip and my back problem, my foot problem, my toe problem, the lack of healing and sores in my feet. You say, oh, we're going to get an organ recital. Not really. But just think about George or Joni or, or someone who's in prison having been falsely convicted for their whole life. Think it's fair? We have to remember it will be worth it all. And I've gotten way off the subject. We've got to go back and find Moses. Because uh, Moses is now going to flee to Midian. In verse, verses 15, the middle of the verse, he flees to Midian, uh, the land of the Cushites, the Midianites, the Ethiopians, all these. And, and he, he flees there. Midian, of course, we remember the first mention of this priestly office. Uh, here, here in verse 16, it says here, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. You remember Melchizedek, the first priest in the Bible. Genesis chapter 15, verse 8. A lot of great stuff written about him from historians from back in that day, like Josephus. But the Midianites were descendants of Abraham. So these were close kin to the Jews. Remember, Abraham is the father of many nations. And so in, in verses 15 and following, he flees there. And he had to wonder what he's doing, what he's going to do. Uh, uh, remember back when Joseph fled from, uh, from uh, Israel to Egypt because of the uh, persecution against children and to, to get away from that two-year-old and under thing, he fled to Egypt. Now the opposite, uh, where Joseph fled to Egypt and then he and Mary went back to, I'm talking about Mary and Joseph, not the Joseph of the Old Testament, but Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt and went back to Israel. Here's the opposite. Moses is fleeing Egypt to, uh, uh, to go to Midian. And so these are, of course, Israelites, descendants of Abraham. And we know he flees there. And it says here in verse 16 that uh, they came, his seven daughters came to get water for the father's flock. Quite often, they would help the shepherd and take care of the sheep. Sometimes the shepherd wasn't there. And that was kind of the, one of the duties of, of, of a, a man's daughters to help with the sheep. So they're there and they can't get to the well because there's a shepherd there that's rude to them. And he stops them and cuts in front of them. And he's kind of mistreating them. You get from the text and Moses intercedes. He goes there and stands up for him. Says, hey, they were here first. Of course, I don't quite do the, the grammar of the Aramaic very well. But he confronts them. And I don't know how, how, how the language went, but he says, no, no, no. And he, he defends them. He ends up marrying one of the girls. But 
again, you see God. He doesn't know why he's running, where he's going. Sometimes we feel that way. A company my daughter worked for closes this week. Uh, went out of business. She said, Dad, I don't have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm thinking, Lord, she needs to grow. This is a teaching moment. I know, God, you have a plan. I don't always, it's not always easy. I get a little anxious, a little anxiety about the plan. Maybe she's coming back home. Half of me wants that, half of me doesn't. You know how that goes. I love my daughter, but you know, God has this. God's got this. See, he knows. And it's all part of her nurturing and God's going to use it. So here he, he intercedes. And remember, he would stand against Pharaoh one day, wouldn't he? His own grandfather, sort of. And then he would uh, stand the gap for Israel when they are in the wilderness and they keep sinning. What does he do? He goes to God and says, please, please don't harm the people. Sometimes his prayers were answered. At other times, God would chasten the people, sometimes kill the people. And Moses is a great type uh, of God and of Christ in so many ways. We talked about him being a mediator here. We'll talk about some other things later. But in verse 18, and when they came to rule their father. Now, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And quite often, a Bible student will say, Pastor, why does it say his father's name is Ruel? And why Jethro? We conclude it's Jethro. But sometimes the word father in Scripture can mean grandfather or even great-grandfather. So some scholars have argued this, but it's not, it's not important. I believe it's Jethro, but Ruel's his, his called his, her, their father. And so they come to him, and he says, how is it you're back so quickly today? And they said, an, Egypt, an Egyptian delivered us. Why would they say that? Because what did Moses look like? He had Egyptian clothing on. He didn't look like a Jew. He looked like an Egyptian. He delivered us out of the, of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, where is he? Well, we left him there. What are you doing leaving him there? Why don't you bring him home for supper? Remember, the culture was hospitality. When strangers came to you as a child of, of God and the covenant of Israel, your responsibility was to feed the stranger. In fact, the word hospitality in the New Testament means feeding a stranger. And we don't do much of that today. I mean, if a stranger came to my house, I don't know if I'd feed him inside. Maybe I'd set some dog food out there for him. So gracious of me, right? We're so selfish. And we are often don't care about travelers. We have to be careful. I understand it's a different culture, different time. It's a pretty rough world we live in. But they worked hard to be hospitable. And so they said, we, we left him there. And he said, verse 20, you know, call him, eat bread. And look what it says. And Moses was content to dwell with this man. And he gave Moses Zephorah as his daughter. Zephorah means little bird. And I don't know why she was named that. But... Uh, they thought he's an Egyptian. And here, verse 20, he, Ruel respected Moses and Jethro, showed him hospitality, gave him a wife, and it said he felt at home. You know how long, how long he stayed here? Forty years. This happened when he fled Egypt at 40. He's now going to be here 40 years. Feeling at home? I don't know if I'd want a son-in-law living with me for 40 years. <laughs> he stayed 40 years. I love that hospitality. But I also love to know that God guided him. God was in control. And this would be 40 years of testing. And he's pretty happy here to stay 40 years. And so 
we, we know that uh, he's a type of Christ. Deuteronomy 18, 15. Let's look at it if you want to look. Otherwise, you can stay there. But in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord thy God, that's Yahweh Elohim, will raise unto thee a prophet from the midst of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him he shall hearken. God's good. Moses says, God's going to raise a prophet like me. But of course, Jesus would be perfect. That's Jesus. He says, a prophet like me of thy brethren. So a Jew is going to raise up and be greater, and Moses will say that, he'll be greater than Moses. Now, here was Moses, rejected by his own people, had to flee. He took a Gentile wife. He would eventually deliver Israel. You know, all those things are a type, as the mediator was. A type of Jesus Christ, who was rejected by his brethren. Had people in his hometown didn't even follow him. His kids, his own brethren, didn't even get saved till after his resurrection. James wrote scripture, but he wasn't saved till Jesus left this earth. The resurrection did it. And he took a Gentile wife. We're the wife. Do you know that? He's marrying us. Thank God for that. And so we find him as a type. Now we pick up in verse 22. And she bare him a son and called his name Gershom. I don't know about these names. A lot of great Bible names. I don't know if I'd want her to be called Gershom, but he later had a second son named Eliezer. That's a pretty neat name, I guess. But the word means sojourner or foreigner. So here's, here's Moses. How do you think Moses feels? Well, I think at this point, he's pretty happy he's got a companion. But I mean, you're raised in the Egyptian court by the Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, you know, they say people who are, you know, abandoned or given up for adoption sometimes can struggle with insecurity. My daughter, of course, is adopted. And I, I suppose that that's something that could have bothered Moses. I don't know, you know. I think Moses probably knew who his parents were, so maybe he didn't have a lot of that. But, you know, here he's had to flee his country because the Egyptians want to kill him and the Israelis don't respect him. And he's a long ways away and he doesn't really understand what's going on. Am I just going to stay here forever? And he's kind of content. He doesn't really know. He doesn't even realize that God has a plan. And it's going to take the burning bush to get his attention. And at 80, he'll go back. So he's here 40 years, raising a family, dealing with sheep. And, and he will learn from this experience. In verse 23, it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God and by reason of the bondage. So it's getting worse. You think every Pharaoh's worse than the other one. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant. You know that word remembered? It's a Hebrew word. It's the word zakar. We get several names from zakar. Zacharias, Zacharias, Zacchaeus. A lot of names come from that. It means God remembers. It causes us to think about Luke 1.13, when Zacharias had prayed for Elizabeth to have a child. And his name meant God remembers, and God did remember, and Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. Great, great Bible name. I have a son, Zachary, as we would call him Zach. His name's Zachariah. 
God remembers. But we know that this is a Hebrew word, Zechariah, Zachar. And God remembered his covenant, the league he made with Israel, the covenant, the agreement with Israel. And God's a God who keeps his word. And he's going to deliver them. But here is a king in Egypt, a new king, a new pharaoh, and he's treating him as bad as the last one. We have elections coming up. I'm sure they're going to vote. But, but I don't really believe much is going to change because the Bible said men are going to wax worse and worse. You need to vote. You need to vote. Pray about it and then vote. And if you pray, you'll vote for a person who, who you, it's sad because we have to choose the better of two evils. When a Christian runs, I'm excited. I'm voting for the Christian. But I always look at, oh, who's the worst of these two guys, you know? You know? And, and I vote by what they believe and, 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 and the principles they stand on. That causes me how to vote. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you that while maybe election night may be an exciting night, I'm going to tell you not much is going to change when Scripture says it's all going to get worse and worse till Jesus comes. I mean, the tribulation is right around the corner. I believe we're raptured from it. I tell people I'm so premillennial, 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 I don't eat post-toasties. But I do eat them. But, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're expecting and we're hoping that the new whoever, our senator, our congressman, will change the world. Well, I don't think we're going to see plagues. I don't think we're going to have a great Passover. I think that it'll help some and we'll be able to stop some of the evil that's abounding in our country. But the fact is the only hope is in King Jesus. In King Jesus. And I was thinking about all the titles he's called and I grabbed this little thing out of my files because he's called the King of the Jews. He's called the King of Israel. He's called the King of Saints, the King of Glory. He, and, and, and of course, the King of Kings. And I had this little thing, so I want to just read a few. He's the Alpha, the First Adam, the Anointed One, the Amen, the Author and Finisher of our faith. These are all titles given to him in Scripture. Keep going with A. He's the Anchor, the Advocate, the Almighty, the Ancient of Days, the Angel, the Arm of the Lord. Then he's the Blessed One. He's the bright morning star. He's the beginning of the creation. He's the, he's the Bridegroom. He's the Beloved. He's the Branch. He's the Bread of Life. Isn't that something? He's everything. He's our king of kings. We, we don't need any other leader. We just need him. And our God reigns. He reigns right now in your life. He's allowed the world to go amok. And it's, look, I mean, it's evil. The devil is a prince and power of the air. You know, we talk about the three heavens. And he's the prince and power of the air. He's a ruler of darkness. And right now we think, oh, Lord, one day he's going to come back. And when he raptures the church, he's going to allow the judgments to come down on Israel, all about getting Israel saved. And Israel's going to be saved and turned to him. But guess what? At that point, the devil will try to decapitate everyone. If they don't take the mark, he's going to try and take their head. And I mean, Jews are going to be fleeing and hiding, those that get saved. And for seven years, the tribulation and the great tribulation will just wreak havoc in this world. And yes, there'll be global warming. I don't worry about it. I'm gone. 
There's going to be hailstones and no Chinese missiles going to knock them out of the air because when God sends those bad boys, they're going to be 100 pounds plus and the sky is going to be filled with them. They're going to destroy buildings. People are going to be hiding under buildings and under rubble to escape that. That's the tribulation period. But then, the Jews will get saved. And then when that happens, after seven years, Jesus will come back with his saints. I'll be with him. I'll be on a big white horse. And we're going to come down to this earth. And guess what? That enemy, the devil, is going to be chained for a thousand years. Yesterday, I reminded him of that. He was messing with my mind. I said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You're going to be bound for a thousand years and cast in the eternal lake of fire. You'll be released at the end to deceive again. But then you're going to be cast forever and ever and ever. I'm victorious, Satan. Leave me alone. And that's my prayer life sometimes. Leave me alone. And I call on that name of Jesus, the victorious one. Did you know the Bible says we are more than conquerors? We're not just conquerors. We're more than that. We're joint heirs with Jesus as God's children. All because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. What a savior. If you don't know Jesus today, if I were in your seat, I would run down here and say, I need to be saved. I wouldn't leave here for anything in the world and drive out of here not knowing the Lord. The Lord. I'm going too fast. The Lord. You know, you know that you don't have tomorrow. Do you know, I think of the life expectancy of 75. If God called all of us home, I shouldn't say us. He called everyone home that's 75 and above. Just this week, what would happen to this church? We'd lose a lot of wonderful people. And he may call all of us together. I'd rather that. The rapture, boom, gone. He holds tomorrow. You don't have any guarantee of it. Make sure your heart is right today. Because we're coming down to the end. He's in control. And I can only trust in the real king, the king of kings, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray you've spoken to hearts and we'll examine our heart and make sure we're right with you. And God, we can only be right with you if we come through the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, who made a way at Calvary for us to pray to you. And God, if there's anyone here that's not saved today, today they'll come forward and say, I want Jesus. I, I know my hand, life's in his hands, but I, I want to know him personally, that I can live for him and, and have the assurance of the fact that I have a future with my God. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.